Well, I got one son accounted for. We got both accounted for. All right. Is is Angel here on hell from Sabbath school? Ah, uh, there he is. Que Dios te bendiga. A a a pastor told me one time, if you're not nervous anymore, quit preaching. I'm still preaching. You're still preaching. <laughs> and uh, Jerry, I got to tell you something about centers of influence. Uh, my church plan is trying to do that. Where we want to be a seven-day Adventist church with seven-day Adventists in it, serving the community. Amen. Yeah. And and one reason is I had an experience when I started first in ministry. I was an associate pastor without a senior pastor. And finally, the conference had mercy on me and sent me a senior pastor from, from way far away, the East Coast. He was driving 3,000 miles. We made contact about an hour before he got to my church and said, where do I meet you? I said, it's hard to find the church. I'll meet you at the Texaco right off the freeway, exit 45. He said, I got it. I'll be there in an hour. I waited. He came in. He told me he was driving a Mercedes. Amen. <laughs> and I saw him pull in the Texaco. He flashed his lights. I flashed mine, waved. Follow me. I pulled out in my car. And another car that looked just like mine pulled in front of him. I turned to the church. The other car went straight. He followed the wrong one. <laughs> An hour and a half later, we didn't have cell phones back then. An hour and a half later, he showed up at the church and he said, I asked every gas station around the church, where's the Seventh-day Adventist church? And all they said was, there's a seven up <laughs> that way. There's a 7-Eleven this way. And he said, no, the, the Seventh-day Adventist church. They said, seven what? And, and maybe centers of influence will instruct people that we exist in walking distance. Okay. Let me pause for a word of prayer, and then I will um, share with you how my wife became Adventist and jump right into the book of Revelation and explain why I'm wearing a tie. Yeah, let's pray. Father, thank you for Sabbath morning, uh, the tremendous message by a Christian edition already. And we pray right now that you will grant us, from Revelation 14, the patience of the saints. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, the tie first. How many of you are wearing a tie? Raise your hand. I'm only doing it so you don't feel so bad. <laughs> Before I became, I, I shared my story last night. If, if you're here the first time or brand new this morning, I didn't grow up Adventist, became Adventist as an exchange student. But before I became Adventist, 
this young lady right here had attended a thing called a revelation seminar with her parents. And uh, her family was a little divided over the Sabbath. They were attending a Baptist church on and off. They didn't drink, smoke, or chew, and she didn't date guys that do. <laughs> I, I learned that from the Baptist. <laughs> and, and so now I stumble into her picture at a normal high school, and uh, we become friends and writing letters. And I wrote a letter in my host family, Ken and Joyce Williams in Keene, Texas. Some, some of you approached me and said, we know them. They came to visit me in Germany, and I gave them a hand, teenagers, a handwritten letter to this young lady. My dearest, etc. And they were going to deliver that letter to her, to this Baptist young lady and her family when they came back to the States, and they did. And then my host family invited them to a Bible study Tuesday afternoons. And a year later or so, they joined the church as well. There is nothing like personal contact, face to face. I know we got satellites and email and Twitter and and keynote and PowerPoint and program, but face-to-face -face contact with a fellow human being. Yeah. By the way, I don't sing, but if I had you standing in front of me, I would, I would sing. <laughs> I would sing. <laughs> Testimonies to the Church, Volume 8, page 27. All week, Revelation 14, it says the message of Revelation 14 is the message that we are to bear to the world. It is the bread of life for these last days. And in Revelation 14 is a curious little verse, very important and precious to me. Revelation 14, it's verse 12, actually. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. I spent some time with the ASI youth uh, a couple of weeks ago. They were knocking on doors too. And in, in one of the teaching sessions, I let them ask me any question they wanted to ask me anonymously on a 3 by 5 card. And so I had about 30, 40 teenagers asking me anything they want. And I got an interesting statistical result. Normally, when I do that, number one, sex. Number two, music. Number three, tattoos. Number four, dating. Number five, maybe a little bit of Ellen White Bible, things like that. I got number one from that group, dating and relationships. Number two, Bible and Ellen White questions. And number three, a new one that didn't surprise me, but it was new from asking those questions. Number three was discouragement and wanting to quit and give up. 
And um, there was another teenager, December of 1844, 17 years old, who got a vision about discouragement and giving up. And I want to share that vision with you and something about Revelation 14, verse 12. It's Ellen White, 17 years old. How many of you are 17? I'm looking the right direction. Can you imagine you get your first vision a couple of weeks? Ellen White was 17. Do you know what that first vision was? Ellen White was seeing the Advent people on a narrow path marching towards New Jerusalem. And then she sees something horrible. While she's seeing that, there are people before the second coming. They're on the right track. It is not five virgins and five prostitutes. And the virgins make it and the prostitutes don't. It is ten virgins. And they're all traveling the right direction. They've come out of the world. They, they know about the second coming. And she sees some of them falling off the path because they took the eyes off Jesus. Can you imagine you're not in the world, you're not an out-and-out sinner without Christ alone, no camp meeting, all that. No, you're already on the right track. You're already heading towards New Jerusalem. If you continued, you would make it. And there are people on the right track. They quit five minutes before the second coming. Unbelievable. Let me just uh, pick out the carob chips out of the chocolate chip cookie here. I declare to you, this is early writings, page 13. I declare to you, my brethren and sisters in the Lord, it is a goodly land. And we are well able to go up and possess it. That's uh, really a direct quote from the book of Numbers. Twelve spies came back from the promised land. Some said we can't. Some said, two of them said we can. Guess what? Both were right. Those who said we can't would not have made it. The two that said we can would make it. And then she says, if they kept their eyes fixed on Jesus, who was just before them. Did, did you notice when it's dark in your life, Jesus might still be right before you? And when Lazarus is dead for four days, on, on the fourth day, God might give you a resurrection. So don't quit. Anytime you quit, you quit too soon. That is Revelation 14, verse 12. The patience of the saints, don't quit, you quit, you quit too soon. If they kept their eyes fixed on Jesus, who was just before them, leading them to the city, they were safe. The light behind them, however, went out, leaving their feet in perfect darkness. When they took their eyes off Jesus, they stumbled and lost sight of the mark and of Jesus, fell off the path down into the dark and wicked world below. And then she talks about 144,000. She talks about flowers. Now I was going to pick one, but they were don't, went, donate it. And don't mess with Texas. Don't mess with people who donate 
stuff to the church. She picked a flower and a voice said, this will never fade. Listen to the end of that vision. You must go back to the earth again and relate to others what I've related to you. Then an angel bore me gently down to this dark world. Sometimes I think I can stay here no longer. All things of earth look so dreary. I feel very lonely here for I've seen a better land. Oh, that I had wings like a dove. Then would I fly away and be at rest. My son and I looked at Emerald Bay a couple days ago, 6 a.m. in the morning, the sunrise. It was beautiful, but I can see angels look down on us and shake their heads and think, that's 6,000 years of sin, guys, and you're taking pictures of it? <laughs> Amateurs. I know there are several sevens in the book of Revelation. Seven blessings, seven churches, seven plagues, seven seals, seven... Did you know that the word patience is mentioned seven times? And the word patience means to bear under. You're, you've heard of uh, hypothermia? Hypo, that's a preposition. And then the other part of the world means to, to bear under. So you've you got a weight on you and you carry it all the way to the end. And the word here in Revelation is mentioned seven times as well. So God has a show and tell. He says, here, universe, look, here, here is the patience of the saints. And when I go through scripture, I, I notice that everybody in the Bible had to have patience. We wait, and we wait, and we wait some more. Adam and Eve waited for a Messiah. He came 4,000 years later. Noah had to wait before it rained, while it rained, and after it rained. Abraham, can you imagine how long a three-day journey is when God tells you, I finally gave you the son of the promise. I want you to give him Back to me. And they bundle up some wood, no lamb, and they're going to go on a three-day journey, and the lamb is provided on the third day. Sounds like a resurrection, doesn't it? But can you imagine Adam and Isaac trudging along for three days? I imagine the most profound conversation between father and son at some point was when they didn't say a word. Walking together. At some point, Isaac breaks the silence and says, Dad, I see you got your uh, Garmin GPS. I trust you know where you're. I see the wood. I don't see a lamb. And Abraham says, God will provide. Patience, patience. Waiting, waiting, waiting. Then the exodus out of Egypt. Ten plagues. And I don't think I pronounced plagues right. Plagues. 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 Bad things. But there's ten of them. Ten. And the Israelites are like, first one, are we there yet? Now Moses says there's one more. One more. 
waiting, waiting, waiting for the tenth one. Then we got Job. Job has to wait 42 chapters for God to fix everything back the way it should be. What if? What if Job had quit and walked out on God in Job chapter 41 and a half? He would have missed it all. And I want to encourage you to keep marching towards Zion in the New Jerusalem all the way till Jesus comes and picks you up. Because anytime you quit, you quit too soon. We got away till Job 42. And then we got Daniel. How much longer, God? And, and he is told 2,300 years. Hey, the Hebrew is more, evening, morning, reminding of creation. Day stands for a year. We, don't, we won't go through that. But the cleansing of the sanctuary is still 2,300 years away. Waiting, waiting, and waiting. Prodigal son. I can only imagine that the father did not wait on the couch watching ESPN. Maybe 3ABN. My guess is the father waited near the flower beds in front of the home, looking out on the horizon, hoping maybe he'll come back. And he waited, and one day he saw a figure on the horizon, looked a little ragged, and the father ran. The wait was over. Every wait in the Bible does have an end. And according to Einstein in physics, time accelerates in proximity to an end point. Unless you're five years old, and it's before, right before Christmas. That takes forever. Matthew 25, the ten virgins waited, and some didn't wait long enough. Then comes James chapter 1. I want to read you that one, James chapter 1. In my German Bible, Martin Luther, he didn't like James because of too much law in it. He put James right before Revelation. (laughs) It's a different location in a German Bible. But but in English, it is uh, right after Hebrews. James 1, a servant, bond servant, slave of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. I found something very dangerous in life. When I pray for patience, God doesn't give it to me. He sends me situations that grant me an opportunity to show patience. God grant me patience, but I want it right now. Revelation 1.9. Just a few Bible texts. How are we going to hang in there all the way till the end? Revelation chapter 1, verse 9. There's a combination of words that doesn't make any sense to me. Well, it does now. Revelation 1, verse 9. I, John, both your brother, hermano, and companion 
in the, now watch the word combination. I thought they didn't go together. But in the tribulation, trouble, and what's the next word? Kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. Did you know that trouble and kingdom and patience go hand in hand? I thought if you had the kingdom, you don't have trouble anymore. What John is saying, if you have the kingdom, you will have trouble. Let me turn that around. If you don't have trouble, are you too far away from the kingdom? Then comes Revelation 13, 1260 years of patience during the dark ages, the middle ages. And then comes Revelation 14, verse 12. And I want to show you something. Revelation 14, verse 12. Here is the patience of the saints. What punctuation do you have after saints? Comma, semicolon, no period. So there's something else coming. Let me read it to you. What kind of patience? It is a patience not just in relation to a situation, uh, a boss or something. Let me read it to you. Very specific patience. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Now, a couple of things real quick. In the first angel's message, we discovered a couple of days ago that the first angel's message is an appeal to a creator God who's specifically described as the God of the Sabbath, the one who made heaven and earth, the seas and the springs of water. Direct quote from the fourth commandment. So first angel, focus on Sabbath keeping. Second angel, if you don't do that, you are drunk with wine, you are participating in fornication, and in the end, you will crash. Third angel says, you're going to have to decide which kind of mark. And then it concludes with, here's the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God. I'm putting two and two together. That means before the end, our patience will be tested directly in relation to the Ten Commandments, and specifically based on angel number one in relation to the Sabbath. And I think right now the devil is playing chess with us. He's got some moves where it doesn't look like Sabbath is going to be a problem, but two more moves with his queen, and we are checkmated. Because right now he's breaking down the society's resistance in regards to the traditional definition of marriage. He's already broken up the traditional family with male and female, the last generation. Okay, the divorce rate is 50%. Now he's going same gender, and if you go down the Ten Commandments, the next one is the Sabbath. We will need patience in direct relation to our commandment keeping. Now, something else. The commandments of God, and what else? The faith of Jesus. 
I grew up Lutheran, and we had the faith of Jesus, but not the commandments. I know Adventists who tell me that 30 years ago, the Adventist church had the commandments, but not so much the faith of Jesus. What do you notice is the appeal here in the third angel's message before the end. Those who have the patience of the saints, who keep the commandments, and the faith of Jesus. Now, let me tell you a secret. It is only by the faith of Jesus that we can actually keep the commandments. That prevents legalism. If we only keep the commandments, an atheist can go to Walmart and not steal. What God wants to do is put the faith of Jesus in us, and now through his grace and faith, we become actual commandment keepers, and the two go together. Unfortunately, I've noticed that in the last 10, 20 years in the church, we have divorced the faith of Jesus from the commandments. And we have told your generation that all you need is a relationship with Jesus Christ. What the angel is saying here in the third angel's message is you need both the commandments and the faith of Jesus. Let me read you why we need this patience and what God does with this patience here. This is Mount of Blessing, page 10. I already sold one copy this week. Uh, insider. Mount of Blessing, page 10. I'll just fly over. The trials of life are God's workmen to remove the impurities and roughness from our character. They're hewing, squaring, chiseling, they're burnishing, polishing is a painful process. It is hard to be pressed down to the grinding wheel. But the stone is brought forth, prepared to fill its place in the heavenly temple. Upon no useless material does the master bestow such careful, thorough work. Only his precious stones are polished after the similitude of a palace. Lord, the Lord will work for all who put their trust in him. Precious victories will be gained by the faithful. Faithful. Precious lessons will be learned. Precious experiences will be realized. I wanted to be a pharmacist. I went to pharmacy school in Germany to enroll. Never enrolled, but I went to check it out. And they took a charcoal tablet, like the kind you take on a mission trip. You know. You know. <laughs> made by Upjohn or Merck. They put the little charcoal tablet under 12 tons of pressure. Do you know what came out? An industrial strength diamond that you could look through. The pressure producing patience in your life God uses to turn you, pardon me, from a charcoal tablet into a raw diamond where God can look through. Now, this is an electronic piano, but the only way the piano works is because there, are, there is tension on the strings. You take the tension off, it doesn't work anymore. Well, Christian edition, vocal cords. We cut the cord, you ain't singing anymore. 
<laughs> I lived in Texas now 25 years or so. My kids and I go out and fly a kite when they were little. What happens when you cut the rope? I don't want all this tension in my life, says the kite. Kite flies into the tree or the power line. Sorky kids cry, and we got to go back to Walmart and buy another one. What God is telling us, we have to have some form of tension in our lives. Now I got to read you the bad news. The fine print by the lawyers. Some of the patience we have to exercise is our own fault. I'm going to read you a string of quotes and you see what it says. It is Evangelism 695. These quotes have changed my ministry. The reason we need so much patience is because we have delayed the second coming unnecessarily. Now, there's a point beyond which God will not delay the second coming, but we can also hasten the second coming. As far as God is concerned, it is a fixed date. But as far as we are concerned, we can hasten the second coming. Now, listen to this. We're on the narrow road towards New Jerusalem, and we're distracted. Evangelism 695. God had committed to his people a work to be accomplished on earth. The third angel's message was to be given. The minds of the believers were to be directed to the heavenly sanctuary where Christ had entered to make atonement for his people. The Sabbath reform was to be carried forward, the commandments of Jesus. The breach in the law God of the, of the law of God must be made up. The message must be proclaimed with a loud voice partially because of all the airplanes, <laughs> that all the inhabitants of the earth might receive the warning. The people of God must purify their souls through obedience to the truth and be prepared to stand without fault before him at his coming. Okay, now listen to this. Had Adventists, after the great disappointment in 1844, held fast their faith followed on unitedly in the opening providence of God, receiving the message of the third angel, in the power of the Holy Spirit, proclaiming it to the world, they would have seen the salvation of God. The Lord would have wrought mightily with their efforts. The work would have been completed. Christ would have come before this to receive his people to their reward. I don't watch football, but we are in unnecessary overtime. We should not be here. I'm glad we're here, but if we were not here, we wouldn't know it. <laughs> but in the period of doubt and uncertainty that followed the disappointment, many, many of the Advent believers yielded their faith, and I'm adding they quit, and they quit too soon. Thus the work was hindered, and the world was left in darkness. Had the whole Adventist body united upon the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus, direct quote from Revelation 14, verse 12, how wildly different would have been our history. Now listen to this. It is not the will of God that the coming of Christ should be thus delayed. The patience God uses to cleanse us, but we also have to apologize. 
We have dragged things out too long. I tell my college students, are you going to do the same thing your parents did? You grow up, you get married, you have a family in that order. You get a job, you get cancer, heart attack, stroke, or you die of old age, one of those four options. And then the next generation repeats the same thing again, over and over, pointless. Read Ecclesiastes. What we are here for is to hasten the second coming of Jesus Christ. You know why? I know we need ADRA. We need centers of influence. We need to close the homeless, feed the hungry. We need to do all that. But for the majority of the entire world, the second coming is the only solution for the suffering on planet Earth. In one snap, God will solve every problem on planet Earth, and it's called the second coming. Done with evil. That's why we need to work on this. Now listen to this. God did not design that his people, Israel, should wander 40 years in the wilderness. He promised to lead them directly to the land of Canaan, establish them there a holy, healthy, happy people. But those to whom it was first preached went in, not in, because of unbelief. Their hearts were filled with murmuring, rebellion, hatred, and he could not fulfill his covenant with them. Now listen to this. Here's the checklist. Check your own life. I will look in the mirror myself tonight. It is the unbelief, the worldliness, the unconsecration and strife among the Lord's professed people that have kept us in this world of sin and sorrow so many years. She uses the word insubordination. We may have to remain here in this world because of insubordination many more years. As the children of Israel, but for Christ's sake, his people should not add sin to sin by charging God with the consequences of their own wrong course of action. If I practiced insubordination at my job, oh, there's a VP sitting. I'll watch what I say. If I practice insubordination, do you know what Donald Trump would say? He's, he's famous right now. You are fired. Ellen White says the Advent people have practiced insubordination. I got the sign from my wife. It must be 12 o'clock. Desire of Ages 633, by giving the gospel to the world, it is in our power to hasten our Lord's return. Now, let me show you the number 666. John chapter 6, verse 66. John chapter 6, verse 66. No, not Revelation. John chapter 6, verse 66. Unbelievable, really. Um, they walked with him for three years and notice what happens. John 6, verse 66 that's a bad number. John six sixty five, red ink. Therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Can you imagine? You are physically, you can touch him. You can eat with him. 
You can watch him walk on water and Jesus preaches a sermon, I'm the bread of life, be so close to me that you eat of me. And people look at Jesus in his eyes and they say, um, no thanks. Hasta luego, Jesus. No more. No mas. I've witnessed this personally in my own life. I graduated. I'm landing. I graduated with 15 fellow theology majors in 1992 from Southwestern Adventist University. Fifteen. Now, these are not bio majors, history majors. These are future pastors in the Adventist church, the remnant movement. I can count on one hand how many of those 15 are still in ministry or in the church. Failure rate of more than 50%. And over the course of ministry, how many people have, have found the way but walked away. No longer there. No longer there. I got to show you one last thing in Revelation 14, verse 12. How are we going to make it to the end? Because if you quit, you quit too soon. Revelation 14, verse 12. Let me read you again the first line. Do you know in English grammar the difference between a plural and a singular? One bear, two bears. All right? And I, I've gotten up early. I've stayed up late. I have not run into a bear yet. If I did, I would like to run into this kind. <laughs> Listen to singular and plural in the first line of, of this call to patience. Here is the patience of the, how many saints? Multiple. Let me tell you a secret. In the Greek New Testament, there is not a single saint in Scripture. Saints never exist in the Bible in isolation. I'll be a saint by myself and take a selfie. <laughs> not in the New Testament. They are only saints, plural. Do not walk away from God and do not walk away from the church. Let's stick together all the way to the end. I have a case study proving that it works. Have you ever noticed in reading the book of Daniel, we won't go through it, every single chapter in the book of Daniel starts with a human king oppressing the people of God. Daniel chapter 1 the king of Nebraska. I mean, King Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> I, I got that. I answered Bible questions for, it was Mark Finley or Doug Batchelor doing one of the net series, and somebody asked, who's the king of Nebraska? <laughs> it's the guy who oppressed Shadrach, Meshach, and to bed I go. <laughs> Same guy. Every single chapter starts with the human king. Nebuchadnezzar, Darius, Belshazzar. Belshazzar, every chapter in the book of Daniel ends with the people of God elevated, making it all the way to the end. Every single chapter. Check it out sometime. It works. Starts with oppression. Starts with a call for patience, patience, patience. 
and in the end they make it. Don't quit during the journey. Teenagers, don't quit. Stay in the church. Don't be statistics. I'm going to conclude with two Bible texts, and then we have a special music and the benediction. Psalm 27, verse 14. Memorize it. Hang on to it. Put it on your fridge. Make it your screensaver. Psalm 27, verse 14. Hang on to the Word of God till the end. Anytime you quit, you quit too soon. Psalm 27, verse 14. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. What's the punctuation? Exclamation mark. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 5. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 5. And then we're going to have a song. The patience of the plural saints. Here it is. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 5. Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. Because in Christ alone, Camp Meeting 2015, you can make it all the way till the end. And I'll see you in New Jerusalem. God bless. in the bulletin. Jean is so sweet, she thought we have a perfect heart. Our group is all actually called With All My Heart. So what a flattering thing to do, but you know, we'll be singing um, Like As a Father. So.